Hi, everybody. Tim Anderson, the appraiser's advocate here, and we call this one Confusion over Standard Rule 2-3. Some appraisers think it's clear. Some appraisers don't. What do you think? More importantly, why is it you think that way? If, after listening to this podcast, you're still confused, take solace in that you're probably not the only one. So, what is it we're talking about? Why is this particular topic important? Why do we need to try to clear up this controversy? We're talking about USPAP Standard Rule 2-3, the certification standard. Specifically, the first bullet point of that standard reads, quote, I certify that to the best of my knowledge and belief. The statements of fact contained in this report are true and correct. For good or ill, USPAP does not define statement of fact, nor does it define fact. One definition of fact is, quote, a truth known by actual experience or observation, something known to be true. Another definition is something that actually exists, reality, truth. Finally, consider that a fact is, quote, an actual and absolute reality as distinguished from mere supposition or opinion, a truth as distinguished from fiction or error, unquote. By the time you're through with this podcast, you'll look at the word fact differently than you do now, at least I hope you will. It is possible the contents of this podcast will change your appraisal behavior. If so, by definition, you have learned. Now, how does all of this relate to USPAP's Standard Rule 2-3 and that first bullet point. Certain statements of fact are clear and absolute truths. For example, from the last recorded deed comes the name of the grantee, the current owner. That deed is also the source of the property's legal description, another statement of fact. Therefore, the current owner, as well as the legal description, and other data on that document are all clear statements of fact. None of these is an opinion. None of these is open to interpretation. Shall we obfuscate issues a little bit now? Consider the components of the cost approach, especially the subcomponents of accrued depreciation. Accrued depreciation has three subcomponents, physical depreciation or age life, functional obsolescence, and external or economic obsolescence. An illustration from the 1004 form shows this approach allows for the appraiser to present all three types of depreciation in a summary format. Thus, only the totals are here on the 1004 form. The details are not. They are required to be in the work file, however. Now, there are two questions the appraiser needs to consider. First, is the mere presence of depreciation on the 1004 form a statement of fact, or is it an opinion? Second, is the quantity of the depreciation, as shown on the form, a fact or an opinion? And we won't even consider if accrued depreciation is an assignment result that's confidential. As you look carefully at the language on the 1004 form in the cost approach, you see that Fannie Mae expects appraisers to, quote, provide adequate information for the lender client to replicate the below cost figures and calculations, unquote. Therefore, somewhere in the corpus of the report, with all of the supporting data in the work file, must be the cost data in sufficient detail that the lender client could replicate not only the logic of the numbers you used in this section of the report, 
but also replicate why and how you chose those numbers. Then, our favorite appraisal reporting form goes on to make clear that the appraiser must also include, as part of the appraisal report, quote, support for the opinion of site value, summary of land sales, or other methods for estimating site value, unquote. This part of the 1004 form is clear. The appraiser must have the facts of the cost approach present before the appraiser can draw any conclusions from them. Appraisers, as analysts, should understand that if the support for the cost approach are excrement, then any conclusions from the cost approach are excrement too. This is true for the other approaches to value as well. Now, which parts of the cost approach are facts and which components are conclusions or opinions? In other words, not facts. To support the conclusion of the site value as a vacant and ready to be put to its highest and best use has its basis in facts. That they are verified vacant land sales means they are historical facts. As historical facts, the details of these vacant land sales the appraiser chooses to include in the appraisal and then communicate to the client in the appraisal report must, per Standard Rule 2-3, be both true and correct. This information, which the appraiser likely gets from the recorded deed, MLS, other authoritative sources, becomes true for appraisal purposes when the appraiser verifies them as correct. They are true and correct when the appraiser verifies them as such. How about the cost data? Are those statements of fact? Or are they conclusions based on an analysis and interpretation of those facts? This area is less cut and dried, since the appraiser may have to interpolate between two square footage indications or two quality condition ratings. Moreover, the appraiser may have to interpret the differences between Fannie Mae's C1 to C6 condition ratings while comparing those with the quality condition ratings of the costing service. On balance, however, even taking into consideration these potential gray areas, the costs from a published cost manual are facts. They are facts, or statements of fact, since the appraiser did not need to synthesize them from any other data. Now, are conclusions statements of fact? In this context, one example of a conclusion would be the value opinion of the site as if vacant or the overall value opinion. These are conclusions since, while their foundations are facts, the appraiser had to analyze the component data, verify those data to confirm which, if any of them, were comparable to the subject, and then create a value conclusion where no value conclusion had existed before. Now it's time to answer the question at the beginning of this podcast. A fact is, therefore, something that already existed before the appraiser began his or her research and analyses and that the appraiser has properly verified as both true and correct. A conclusion is something that did not exist before the instant of its creation, its synthesis, despite the previous existence of the facts underpinning it. The appraiser synthesized or created it from the pre-existing but heretofore unverified facts since that conclusion did not exist before the appraiser verified it. Therefore, an appraiser's opinions, which is something he or she synthesized, in other words, they didn't exist before the appraiser thought them up, must have a basis in fact, something that heretofore existed. Otherwise, the results of that synthesis have no basis in fact. 
When we reach a conclusion that has no component or foundation in fact, we create, in effect, something out of nothing, which is both a physical and a logical impossibility, at least for mere mortals anyway. Since an appraisal is essentially nothing more than an exercise in deductive logic, if an appraisal conclusion is a logical impossibility, in other words, if the appraiser just made it up, or out of the erroneous analysis and or evaluation of the market evidence, then it's no conclusion at all. Effectively, it doesn't exist. To answer the client's question is the reason the client hired the appraiser. If the answer the appraiser provides to the client is not based on facts, then the appraiser's answer misrepresented to the client the appraiser's competency to answer the question. Misrepresenting anything to the client is a serious breach of USPAP's ethics rule, its competency rule, and standard rule 2-1b as well, which has its base in the ethics and competency rules. Therefore, if an appraiser certifies that any state Statements of fact in the report are true and correct, the appraiser also certifies that he or she collected, analyzed, and verified all of the information necessary to arrive at credible assignment results and maintains all those facts and data in the work file. If any of these is not what the appraiser actually did as part of the appraisal and report, then by so certifying, the appraiser has lied to the client and then certified to that lie. How often are you going to use a contractor who lies to you? How much faith are you going to put into anything that contractor tells or represents to you? How much faith are you going to put into any of the contractor's results? How often are you going to recommend that contractor to your friends? How long is that contractor going to be in business? Remember, you, the appraiser, do not sign the report. You sign this certification, which is a component of the report. Appraisers should carefully and with all necessary due diligence read Standard Rule 2-3 to determine, number one, what it is they're signing, and number two, what they are representing to the client and the intended users as true and correct when they sign it. Now, if you have any questions on USPAP, if you've gotten that letter from the state board, if you just need to know your appraisals and reports are USPAP compliant, contact me. I'm Tim Anderson, the Appraiser's Advocate. You can reach me at tim at theappraisersadvocate.com. It will be my honor to contact you. Be safe, be well, and keep listening to my podcasts and reading my blogs. Thank you so much. We're clear.